Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you, connecting you to people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 293, it's our first new episode of the fall season. I get the privilege of introducing you, if you don't know already, Kendra Adachi, otherwise known as the Lazy Genius. Or even it could just be like, you just take a deep breath and you go, what matters right now? That's your question. Because your heart truly is that. Your heart is to connect with yourself and your spouse and your kids and your calling as a human and the Holy Spirit within you at that moment. Like that is deep down your heart. We just get so like distracted by things that don't actually matter, like order for the sake of order or like things being done within a certain time frame because that's what we planned for at the start of the day. And then it doesn't happen. Then we're like, but this is what we planned. Mm-hmm. Plans don't really matter. What matters, it's the same thing with the, the routine. It's like the plan's purpose, the routine's purpose, the choice's purpose is to take you down a path toward what matters. So when you remember what matters, you can sort of let go more easily of things that did not go the way that you anticipated they would go. You're more gentle with your people and yourself. Like it's just what happens. Kendra is the mom to three young kids. She is also the creator of the site, The Lazy Genius, which also has a podcast and now a book, The Lazy Genius Way, which became a New York Times bestseller last week because it's amazing. What she is doing today is giving us permission. If you're the mom who wants to be amazing at all the things, like I have put that pressure on myself, Kendra is reminding us how to be a genius in the areas that matter and lazy about the things that don't and really figuring out what that is for you. In this episode, she talks about her own story of finding value and other people thought of her and being good at all the things and really that stemming from her childhood and some uh, relationships there. The last part of the interview, Kendra is going to lazy genius. Yes, it's a verb. My life in one area and that's where distance learning meets working from home. We are grateful to my husband and I both have jobs where we can work from home, but it seems like I'm the interruptible parent. And so she kind of gives me some hacks and some help on how to work through that. And maybe it'll be helpful for you as well. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Kendra, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm so glad to be here, Heather. Thank you. Oh, we need you and we don't even (laughs) know it all the way. I bet people, I'm the most excited to get to introduce you to people that don't know you yet, which it's probably like two people, but those two people's worlds are going to change. Oh, I'm, I'm here for those two people. I'm very thrilled. <laughs> Just like your chicken. Oh, change man. your life chicken, which my boys call the yummy chicken. Oh, I love that. I love Mom, hearing you making the yummy chicken. I love hearing the different names that people have for it because change yeah. your life chicken is a great name. It's fine. But there are people <laughs> who like don't like there are different husbands and children who don't remember that that's the name. And they're like, or they call me the chicken lady. <laughs> They'll say like a wife will say like the lazy genius said da, da, da. And they're like, is that the chicken lady? Or, yeah. you know, it's, it's great. So I like the yummy chicken. I'm here for the yummy chicken. I think it reminds them a little bit of medieval times. 
you know, like <laughs> we can eat the chicken with our hands and there's just like, there's bones and it's yeah, so great. Yeah. yeah. Just like, I mean, with four boys, it's just like all oh, hands on diet, like yeah. messes and delicious yeah. fat on the veggies. And y'all, I'm going to link to it because if you don't know Kendra, you might not know about change your life chicken. And I'm here to help change your life with the chicken. To there it is. There it is. But let's just dial it back a little bit more because before there was chicken in your life, Kendra, you have three children. That's right. Their current ages are? 10, 8, and 4. My boys, two oldest are boys, and the four-year-old is my daughter, Annie. The other two have names, too. The boys are (laughs) Sam and Ben. She's not the only one with a name. (laughs) I get it, though. I do. If I had a girl, she would be the named one. Sure. Um, So you are right where a lot of people listening are. I mean, with these littles and yet but coming out of the really little stage. But talk to us about a season of motherhood and just motherhood brings it out of us, like our broken places and our insecurities. And what was life like for you before you found this lazy genius way? Yeah. Oh, man. What um, what was was a challenge? (laughs) I mean, just list one. I'm sure there was only one challenge. There was just one. There was only one. And it was legit having children. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because I always worry saying, like, it was having children that sort of changed my life because not everybody has children. Yes. Yes, And it's Mm -hmm. not – and it's also not like – you don't need children to become self-aware. You don't need children to have like, you know, it's just, so it feels a little, but that's my story. And um, it definitely was having kids. And I think a big part of that is because having children is where you realize you have no control. You're not in charge of anything. And so it was like, but I, I thought I had some, like I thought I was Mm. doing okay. Mm. And then I had kids. And so um, the most specific thing that has sort of been the catalyst for me recognizing that I am allowed to not be good at things, mm-hmm. that I am, I am allowed to uh, care about certain things that other people don't care about. I am allowed to be, to, to be lazy about certain things that other people care about and that I don't have to be perfect at everything when it comes to motherhood is um, I realized for so long I was, the, I was a mom who and still struggle with this sometimes, let's be honest. Yeah. But I was like, I need to do, I mean, I need to do everything. I need to cook all the stuff. I need to play all the things. I need to teach them three languages before they're four. They need to have a thriving relationship with their heavenly father before, you know, they can say words to me. There, It's just like all of these <laughs> things, like so much pressure um, that I thought was what I was supposed to do. But one of the specific things that was frustrating to me was that I don't like to play. I'm the first line of my book is I'm not a mom who plays. Yeah. I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I don't, you know, and the whole make believe stuff. Like I can play skip bow. Like I taught my boys how to play skip bow just a few days ago. And that's been rad because there's yeah. an end to skip bow. There are rules to skip bow. <laughs> I'm good at skip bow. They did both beat you me last week. It's their fine. butts. Yeah. 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 But like the playing and the, just the pretend and the like, Hey mommy, let's go. They say like let's go play Swiss cheese and I still don't know what that means. I still have no idea what that means. So they have these like games in their head and I don't know the rules and it's so and I'm like I have dinner to make you guys. Like this is the worst. Like I hate doing this. I don't say that to them, but I say it to myself. And then that's not great because I spend the time where they are wanting to play with me kind of resenting the fact that they want to play with me um mm. because I'm not good at it. And well, and like you said, I don't know the rules. Like I don't know the this, rules. Yeah. There's yeah. certain personality types that don't like to put themselves in situations where they could mess up. 
Exactly. And if I don't know the rules, then I'm not going to take that risk. Exactly. I might mess up. Story of my life, Heather. Story of my life. <laughs> I think a, a lot of people. But, is yeah. avoiding things, is avoiding things that I don't know the rules for, or I don't know if I'm going to be good at them because yes. if I'm not going to be good at them, there's no point in trying. So what a dark, what a dark life to live. So um, I, a freedom point for that actually came when I was reading The Magic of Motherhood by Ashley Gadd. And there was something, it was a, it's a book of essays and I generally don't like reading about mothering. Me neither. I, and I'm supposed to write a book about it. Oh my gosh. Like it. That's how my book starts. I hate mom books. <laughs> yeah, I so. hate mom books. They're the worst. That's how mine starts. That's how my interest starts. I know. They're so bad because they make me feel bad. Like I'm not doing enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, The Magic of Motherhood is not a book that does that. And it is okay, a book good. of essays of like specific stories of different mothering experiences. And one of them, um, I don't remember which person wrote this particular essay, but it was about the idea of glitter and glue. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. heard this before, but how one parent is the glitter and one parent is the glue. Hmm. One parent kind of generally, now you share the load if you're, right. if you are in a two parent household, um, right. but you kind of like, one is generally the one that kind of holds everything together. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one that's like the player and the party thrower and the fun and the, you know, they're the glitter. My husband is the glitter, like <laughs> hardcore. I am very much, I'm like monkey super glue, like the hardest glue you can find. The gorilla is, glue? I, yes, I'm the gorilla glue. I was like, monkey glue isn't monkey right? What is this glue. called? It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I am. And oh, so yeah. I think having language to that where it was like, no, I'm allowed to be a glue mom. I can, if I feel glittery, like that's great. And I love my kids enough that I will put myself in a position to be something that I don't feel super comfortable being and where they're like, mom, you don't play this way. Daddy plays better. Rather, (laughs) which they say to me constantly, rather than like internalizing that is like, well, I'm a terrible mom. It's like, actually, you're right. Daddy's way better at this than I am. Let's go call him, you know, like him to come. Let's go get him to come into the room. And so um, I think there's something incredibly powerful about naming the truth, about naming what matters. Because if we just keep stuff in our own heads, um, swirling around, I I say that I have a caffeinated squirrel brain. Like I'm just always like the speed is ridiculous of all the things I'm considering and telling myself are wrong or right or evaluating. It's just exhausting. Mm. And a way that I can move away from that is naming what matters, pulling out the most important things and pulling out the least important things so that my brain has a place to, to put stuff. It's like the right buckets. It's the right file folder. It's the right, however you sort of like conceptualize your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and so when, when I was able to name like, oh, I'm a glue mom, it really changed a lot of things for me. There was a lot of freedom there. Naming things brings freedom. I had been doing lazy genius work before I read this book and read about the glue and the glitter, but I had been on a journey of naming those things, naming what matters, and not just that, but being okay with not being good at stuff and being okay with caring about what I wanted to care about and not feeling badly if I was caring about something that someone else didn't or vice versa. Like we just, as, as moms, especially, definitely as women, but that subset of moms, the comparison game is so is remarkably exhausting. And I was trying so hard for so long to do everything right and to do everything well. And then I had my second kid <laughs> when my first one was two. And I was like, oh, well, this, this is impossible. Like this is legitimately impossible to do all of these things well 
And also, it's impossible to expect myself to do them well. Why am I expecting myself to do all these things when no one else is necessarily expecting it? But also, guess what? If they were, they're not in charge of my life. That's not the voice I'm supposed to be listening to. So it's, it's been, obviously, as many things are, it is a lifelong journey um, mm. of kind of finding this. But now that I have come to this place, and this is why I wrote The Lazy Genius Way, I've come to this place of realizing we do not need another life hack. I am not going to give you another hack. Um, hacks are plentiful, but we have to get past the hacks. If you think that MacGyvering together a list of hacks and inspirational quotes is going to get you a life that is wholehearted and anchored in what matters to you, that's why you're tired because that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so this book I wrote is a book of 13 principles, lazy genius principles that help you embrace the things that matter. Ditch what doesn't. Like go ahead and name what doesn't matter and get rid of it, but then you can get things done because it's okay to get things done. It's okay to have lists and be organized and feel good about your productivity at the end of the day but also to name that that's not where your value comes from. Your value comes from who you are, like the essence of your being mm -hmm. and different people need different things. Different things matter to different people and it's okay for you to choose what matters to you and then live like that is true. But the hacks and the systems and stuff, we want those to support what already matters, not to be the thing that does matter. Because they matter to the person who made the hack. Yeah. Exactly. Not to you. Not yeah. to you. That's why I'm like most of these, that's why we hate mom books. That's why I hate self-help <laughs> books. That's why I say that this book is like the self-help book for people who are super duper tired of reading self-help books because they don't really, they don't really yeah. get you anywhere. Hey y'all, if you really want to be a genius about what matters to your family and lazy about what doesn't, let me introduce you to this week's sponsor, Thrive Market. Maybe for your family, you prefer organic groceries or you have a specific diet that you all follow, whether it's keto or gluten-free. I want to connect you with a great way to get those products for less straight to your door. And go check out Thrive Market because what you're going to find is over 70 different diets and values like plant-based and keto are going to be represented. They have snacks, meat, seafood, clean wines, non-toxic cleaning, bath and body. You're going to save 25 to 50% off of the retail prices and get free carbon neutral shipping on orders over $49. And I checked out their Bragg's uh, organic apple cider vinegar. It was cheaper through Thrive Market than Target or Instacart and Kroger. So Go check it out. Go to thrivemarket.com slash DMA. Join today and you're going to get a free gift of your choosing up to $22 in value. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash DMA to start your risk-free membership. And you're going to get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash DMA. Well, and I think it even happens, honestly, with podcast, my, my own podcast. Like, I think there are some women who will listen to all the episodes and try to apply every single expert's advice or mm. person's story. And I try to say as many times as I can, like, ask God, like, is this for me? Is this not for me? The Holy Spirit will direct you if it is. And if not, it's just like, let it go. That was somebody's yeah. story. That's neat. I'm glad that worked for them. But I think what you're even pointing us to is a lot of uh, inner work of knowing yourself and 
digging and like what does matter to me, I think that first question would rock a lot of people's worlds because they've been living under this um, rule-based system they didn't know they had. Like in order to be a good mom, I do this. In order to be a good wife, I do this. To be a good friend, I do this. And they're looking around instead of to compare, like you said, everybody does it this way. Then I need to sign up for 18 month old soccer. Like this is <laughs> what I need to do. And so to do that in her work, how do you suggest, like what was helpful to you to kind of dig into that and let go of what didn't matter? My head is like almost falling off my neck because of how aggressively I was nodding when you were saying that, <laughs> because I completely agree that this starts with believing that your voice matters and believing that you can trust yourself. You know, like I think that there are too many of us who, myself included, we hack and we combine and we try to apply everything because there is something about our own voice. We don't trust it. We don't trust that we know what is best. Or we don't trust that, let's say we make a bad call. You know, let's say we do make a choice that we're like, I think this is the best call right here. And it turns out to not be. We use that as like the singular evidence that we can no longer trust ourselves, that we, yeah. we have to continue to collect all of this advice from everybody who seems to be doing it better than us. And then we continue to push our own voices down. And you're absolutely right. Like, I think it begins with personal work. Now, I, you know, it's a, such a buzzword, such a, it's like, take a drink, guys. But for real, the Enneagram was like a big part of that for me, but also like going to counseling. And I think just being patient with the fact that like self-awareness is lifelong, we have, so, we have very little patience for things that take a long time. Right. And so just those small steps of like in the moment being like, all right, I just pushed my own voice down. Like, what do I really want right now? Like, what do I think actually matters right now? That that interaction with ourselves, with the Holy Spirit, with whoever we're like maybe having a conversation with in that moment, that is so much more valuable than reading seven self-help books and trying to apply them all within 24 hours. It's a constant withness of the Holy Spirit and the voice that we have within ourselves and trusting that, like it's, it's a muscle. I think that we just have to continue to develop. And, and I will say, I mean, yeah, and the Enneagram was a big part of that. I mean, uh, one, I identify as an Enneagram one. And one of the things that was really, can we talk about Enneagram for a second? Like, well, is that so bad? there's haters, there's haters. Out Are there, there haters? <laughs> well, I don't want to make I that. Mean, I don't want to make the haters mad. Well, they're not going to be mad. They will either just fast forward or they will tell me that they don't like talking about the Enneagram. Yep. And then there are some that are totally fine. And they have told me that they're one. So they've probably been agreeing with you on all the things up to this point, because yep. that's so much as part of that type. And yes. we have said so many times on here, go listen to Beth McCord if you're a hater. Um, that <laughs> this is such a, it's a tool. And yes, I know that the origins may have been may, not biblically based, but that like anything, it can be used for good or evil. Water is dangerous in certain situations and right. it can be a joy in others. So we don't have to villainize it, but use it as a tool. And I think in this situation, it's a fantastic tool to highlight where the struggle comes from. Sure. Well, I can talk about that yes. without using the E word. Um, <laughs> I can. I can actually do that. You one of the things, yeah. one, yes, yes. <laughs> one of the things that I have realized about myself and a pattern that I have exhibited as a person, but definitely as a, as a mother um, and just trying to figure out what it 
what it means to be human in this world and sort yeah. of survive is that I have believed my entire life that my value and acceptance comes from being good. Mm-hmm. It comes from doing things right. Mm-hmm. And not just doing them right by my own voice or like by my own standard. Other people have to validate that rightness in order for it to count. Mm-hmm. If other people don't validate it, then I'm obviously not doing enough because they're not noticing. Mm-hmm. So that is exhausting. That is an incredibly exhausting way to live where I'm constantly looking for someone else to validate whether or not I'm okay. So what has happened over the process of naming that is I used to put like organization and being the person that you call when you have to move and, you know, like being a good leader and all that kind of stuff. So I put like so much emphasis on, on the things that I think are going to endear me to people and therefore, they're going to go like, man, Kendra's really great. Kendra is so dependable. I was voted, Heather. Okay. So when you are like, uh, you know, a lot of high school classes, like when you're graduating classes, we'll do like superlatives and stuff, most best dress, best whatever. I was voted most dependable, which Winner. at the time I was like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> and then like sort of deep down though, I was like, what's well, stupid. Like, is that really what people noticed about me is that like I came through for them when they needed it because I knew that my motivation in wanting to come through for them was so that they would like me mm-hmm. and that they would say that I was good. Mm-hmm. And so basically I have just over the last, really since I have had kids and just been confronted with how my goodness does not impact my kids, especially when they're babies, like whether or not I'm good and I'm like, I don't know. Like there was something very separate about my choices. And I mean, obviously I choose to like feed and clothe and put them to sleep and like whatever when they're babies. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like those, those things yeah. that um, sort of are the, the through plus. line of my, yes, all the plus, uh, the through line of my thought processes. My kids love me regardless. They don't even notice those things. And it was right. like, oh wait, I count to them because I'm here. I count to them just because I'm their mom. Like that's, that's all. And then I started to realize like, oh, wait a minute. Does that mean that I also count to God because I'm just like here in his? Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. I think that's what that means. Weird. Because <laughs> that's not how I've been living. And so it was just this process of that, of recognizing that I don't need to be tied to the pattern that I've had my entire life of doing things right. Of doing Can things I do something right. really... Um, deep here. I'm ready. Yes. Okay. Can I bring up, uh, you shared it in your book. So fair game. I would talk about it. I think the gift that you give any moms that relate to what you just said is freeing their children from future performance based mm. living because you share in your book about your own father and the challenge and the abuse of constantly trying to live up to a standard that would allow for his acceptance. And I know for a lot of women, that's a pain point in their relationship with God. And, and I know that you have done that work, but talk to the gal that that is maybe part of her story. Maybe it wasn't a dad, maybe it was a parent, but because I do think that that healing work is so freeing for our kids, if there's any motivation. I totally agree with you that it's really hard to separate our own perceived deficiencies 
based on what we heard from our parents or from any anybody in authority, you know, any formative during those formative years, any authoritative voice, it's really hard to not put that on our own kids uh, because we don't we don't know differently. At the time, the abuse was was varied, and it, we don't have to go we don't have no. to go into it specifically, obviously. But no. like, I just remember like at the time when I was in high school. Um, so I was, I mean, I was like, yeah, I was like seventeen. Okay, so I am five three. I have very pale skin. I'm either red or white. There's no tanning on on this person. Um, I have brown hair. Like I'm just, you know. And when I was seventeen, my father said to me, you know, if you were tan and blonde, I just think things would go better for you. Mm. Like I could make that happen. Mm. And he even told me to be taller. I'm not even kidding. He was like, if you were like, you know, like closer to like six foot, like that would be, and I'm five, three. I was like, mm. I just remember sitting there being like, that seems like mm. such BS, but also he's my dad. So like, maybe he's right. That like, how do key. I, yeah. how do wow. I get to be, you know? And so, and so I just think that maybe the first thing that I would say to anybody who kind of received messages from parents or specifically from a dad that were confusing like that, that part of you were like, that is so ridiculous that he would say that to me or treat me that way. And yet he's my dad. Like dads are not supposed to do that. And I just want to say, you're right. Dads are not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to do that. And I think because our dads are our dads, we try to cut them slack. We try to, we probably internalized as kids that it was our fault to a point that there's something we should have done or could have done that would make him love us more or whatever it is. And, and I just want to say to anybody who feels that way that like it was wrong of your father to say what he, what he said to you. It was wrong that he did what he did to you and that you do not bear any responsibility in that. There is no kid on the planet that is at fault for a parent abusing them. I don't care how loud you think you were yelling. I don't care how much you took it out on your parent. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I, I just, I'll say that first. Um, and then, and then the second thing that I would say to that is because I know that this particular audience knows the Lord. I used to feel like God was like a substitute for the earthly dad that I didn't have. Mm. You know, I would see other friends and, you know, people with dads that like seem just like super rad dads. Like they were so kind and cool and they'd make you pancakes in the morning. Like when you would sleep over Friday night and, you know, like they were just really great. And I remember being like, well, my dad's not like that. Well, at least I have God, I guess that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and seeing, seeing God, the father as a stand in for my earthly dad. And I just want to say to anyone who has felt that way, that it's the other way around. God's desire for us as parents is to love our kids the way he loves us, to love our kids unconditionally, to be patient and to take our, our hate and our frustration and our fists pounding at his chest, at our chest, figuratively, literally. You know, when I have my, when my son says to me, I hate you, the first time he said that and he said, I hate you. And it was, and it hurt, but I was also like, I'm so sorry you feel that way, buddy. And I love you anyway. You know, like that we don't have to accuse our kids or take it as a value judgment on us when our yeah. kids are dysregulated 
and they take it out on us. Guess what? That's actually a sign that you're a safe place to be. I would never have told my dad I hated him ever in a million years because he was unsafe. And so I think that there is such power in us naming the fact that like, yes, the ideal, the way that like human connection was formed from the beginning of the world was that God wanted us to love each other the way he loves us. But we are not perfect. We can't do that. We can't. And even to say like we can with his help makes it seem like it's still on our shoulders. No, he does that through us and we are going to fail and we are going to have to ask forgiveness and we are going to do things wrong and we're going to miss our people so many times. However, the love that he has for us, that is the foundational thing. That is the love on which we build or can sort of, I I was going to say measure. That's not even right either. Guess what? My dad sucks. Like he just does. And there are people who are listening who your dad does too. My dad's not even in my life anymore. Like I cut him out a long time ago because it was that toxic. It was like, I'm sorry. Like I wish you the best. I hope that you like find peace, but this is an unsafe relationship for me and we're done. So if y'all need advice on that, if you're like, oh, I could never do that. That's not biblical. Listen to my episode with John Townsend Mm. on boundaries. Yes. And there are healthy ways and and unhealthy ways to do this, but what Kendra is describing is it's okay. Yes, it is okay. It is okay. Yes. No one's judging. No, no one's judging. No judge zone. No, not at all. So yeah, it's just that you are not settling Mm -hmm. for God the Father. Mm. That is the ultimate thing. Mm. Kendra, I know that that's not easy to talk about, so thank you. But I I think it was kind of felt like a holy moment for a little bit in there. So I'm here for holy moments. Let's do it. Thank you. I appreciate that. If what Kendra just shared struck something in you, maybe you have your own story of performance-based living and you haven't reconciled it with it yet or you don't know what to do with that. Maybe with having kids and all the pressures of motherhood, it's coming to the surface and you can't keep up. Well, I want to point you to get help, an option that is a great resource right now in the times that we're living is better help. What they're going to do is connect you with a professional licensed therapist. You can start communicating with that therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely on line. There's a broad range of expertise and um, it's available for clients worldwide. You can log in anytime and send a message to your counselor and you're going to get a thoughtful response. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You're not going to have to wait in an uncomfortable waiting room or worry about what you do with your kids while you're getting help. Uh, If you want to go check it out, you are going to get a special offer for being a Don't Mom Alone listener, 10% off your first month. So go to betterhelp.com forward slash DMA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Join the over 1 million people that are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash DMA to get that 10% off your first month. So I want you to introduce the lazy genius way because given all that you've said, this desire to 
be approved by others and do the good thing and do the inner work so you know what matters to you and heal and trust God that he loves you and be that loving parent to your kids. I feel like your lazy genius way is really a conduit to that because when I spend so much emotional energy trying to be all the things, I'm not available to my kids. I'm not available to my friends. I'm not vulnerable because I don't want them to see where I'm failing. I'm not probably a very good spouse either because I'm looking to my husband to pat me on the back constantly. Yep. So um, talk us through real quick the principles and let's lazy genius my life. Okay. (laughs) Just in general, just Just the whole life. It's so good. I need you. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, the lazy genius way, other than making me sound like a cult leader, which my husband (laughs) accuses me of very often uh, in love, but he's like, you're like a cult leader because we do say the way and it's fine. Um, But no, the, uh, the lazy genius way, it is principles to apply in any stage of life, any season of life, any situation, everything from like, how do I get dinner on the table to how do I make, how do I make a new friend in a new city? How do I parent in this difficult season? How do I deal with a pandemic? Like, all of it. It's really such a gift because um, I think a lot of times we read sort of like productivity books and they they might apply to a certain specific situation or life stage or whatever, but we need a toolkit. We need like a Swiss army knife for life, for life, mm-hmm. like for yeah. the whole thing. So yeah. basically the Lazy Genius Way, it is a start right now guide. Like you can apply things immediately to being soulful and efficient at the same time. Because I think that's where we get lost is we think it has to be all like soul and presence and you don't care about rules and you don't care about structure and like structure is evil and lists are bad and it means you're not being present with your children and put down your phone. But then on the other side, if you're like too efficient, you're a robot. You're not a person. You're just right. turning into a robot. And so we and you don't deal with disruption both. well. It's exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So we need both things. And the principles in this book help you see name and move into both things in whatever situation that you're in. Hmm. Okay. So do you want me to tell you my situation and we can talk through? Yes. I would love that. Okay. So my thing, and I don't know if this is just how I operate or if this is something that needs to be lazy genius is I'm kind of like a pinball machine in my life. I same, 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 same. <laughs> I never sit or I never have like a plan. I'm just whatever's in front of me, I pick up and I and I do to the point that my husband's taken over laundry and things like that. Because if I don't see it, I'm not upstairs, the laundry doesn't get switched to the dryer or clothes don't get folded. So is that something we could lazy genius or is yeah. that just so the you're way I'm wired? Okay, so you're saying that you feel like uh, is it about focus? Is it about like there are just too many things to do at once? I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I'm really giving attention to my kids because I'm still like busying myself. I'm doing things, but they're not in any particular order. It's just kind of reactive, mm. you know, the tyranny yes. of the urgent kind of thing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So is there a specific area of your life where that feels the most urgent? Is it like in keeping up with the house? Is it in like uh, doing schoolwork with the kids right now? Is it, is is there a specific place where you're like, I really wish that the urgent was not so urgent that I could be right here right now? I think it often is picking things up or responding to a child that I feel like at any moment someone needs something, Mm. which is probably just motherhood, but I'm not (laughs) the one who's like, oh no, I'm busy doing this. I can't talk to you right now which may seem like, oh, what an amazing mom, but I'm 
mad about it maybe. Everybody needs me all the time. And in a global pandemic, I think moms lost the most Mm. because our normal places where we might outsource some things so that we could continue working on things that aren't home related, like our jobs uh, that pay money, we're required to still do those jobs without the support. But it seems like my spouse possibly gets to keep doing his job and not have to deal with the constant interruptions. Yeah. Like I'm the one who is the, and is interrupted, whether it's with school when distance learning is happening and mom, I don't know how to do this math problem or my zoom calls not working or the dog just threw up or whatever it is. Like there's, I am the disrupted one Mm. and not, I get bitter about it. Yeah. So that's not the right heart position. I know. Mm. But I, do you, I don't know a solve for that. Yeah. Do you feel like the bitterness, who's the bitterness aimed at the I most? Think, I think America. No, um, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that sometimes it's like I become this little feminist who's like, mm-hmm. why does it have to be this way? But I have friends that they're the ones, they're the female, they work from home and they're the, they are shut in the room, not disrupted. So I think it's how we're set up. So then it probably turns on my spouse and like, why do you, I would, that would be nice to just stay in a room locked up, <laughs> pop down and eat your lunch and then pop, say hi to everyone, wave and go back. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real thing. All right. You said that you are the disrupted one. How old are your kids again? Eight, 10, 12 and 14. Okay. All right. So it's not like they're. No, no, no. They're infants. Yes. They're like, they can, okay. So, but they're boys. They're boys. Yes. So there's lots of things happening. All right. There are a couple of things, a couple of thoughts I have, and we'll just see see what lands here. Okay. Okay. So uh, the first thing is to, uh, there is a, one of the principles in the book is called have house rules. Mm. And house rules are essentially rules that sort of everybody knows about that keep uh, the first like bad domino from falling where like everything falls apart, right? A lot of our falling apart situations can be traced back to one thing. Not always, Mm -hmm. but often they can be traced back to one thing. So um, for example, before pandemic times when we actually came home from school, um, I would like, we we would all come home and it just felt like coming home from school was just the absolute yes, circus. The like it is, yes, it was the worst. the worst. And I couldn't figure out how to make it not the worst. Well, when I started to pay attention to like, what is happening? Why are the bo- my older boys yelling at Annie? Uh, oh, it's because she tore up their art project. Why was she tearing it up? Because it was on the floor. Why was it on the floor? Because they ripped open their book bags the minute they got home and pulled everything out to show me because they're eager to show me what beautiful children I have, but also <laughs> this is not working. And so basically as I backed it up, as I backed up the dominoes, I found that if we walked in the house and we have a house rule of put your book bags on the counter and leave them closed, hardly any of that stuff happened. Hmm. So we have a house rule, back, book bags on the counter, book bags on the counter, book bags on the counter. That, that's just where they go when they walk in. And I have to say it every single time. Do they remember? No, I have to say it the minute we walk in the door. But that house rule has kept the urgent of like the dryer went off and oh wait, I do have to start dinner, but everyone's arguing because the art project is still cut in half and they're mad, which means they don't have energy to do homework. And I don't have enough snacks yet because I hadn't thought that far ahead and everyone is cranky. It's like all those things. And then that is when you say to yourself 
or maybe side eye to your husband who is in like kindly in his own work hole. You're like, must be nice in there. Right. <laughs> Right. You don't have to come out here and deal with this. You know, like right. when your voice goes up at the end of the sentence, like yeah. you sort of feel the frustration. <laughs> and so I am wondering no, that you're talking about. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. I'm, I read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my, I guess my question would be, as I say that, can you think of something, maybe it's a time of day where it feels like everything, all the dominoes are burning. Not only have they fallen on top of each other, but they're just on fire. Like what is a fire that maybe you are putting out or dominoes that you're, that are falling in front of you that you could maybe back up and go like, okay, maybe if we can address this particular thing, we could keep less from exploding in front of us. Can you think of anything? Man, I feel like I need, I need time for that. I feel like I need a, maybe I feel like I need to live through it and mm. then do it. And also now you and I, this is going to be released at the end of August and uh-huh. we all don't know because that's just a month away. <laughs> right. We don't know. We don't know if I'm going to have kids at home and we're going to be doing the backpack situation you described or yep. I'm going to be doing the um, whack-a-mole of yes. distance learning. So yes. I'm trying to remember back to May, which feels like eons ago, to when it was hard. And it's also interesting, I don't know if you have this, the ages of your kids, how differently my kids' distance learned. Oh, very much so. Yes. So one would be so motivated, had the list, checking it off, finished in an hour. Right. The other one, it dragged on the entire day. The entire day. The so worst. it's like, no, I'm taking a break. I'm going to go play basketball. No, no, just finish this. And then, you know, so... It wasn't like we could have a system that everyone was even applying because they uh, were also different. Yeah. Yes. But have you noticed like in the pandemic of whack-a-mole distance learning, like that you've noticed a domino for yourself? No. A house rule that would work? Yes. Our domino was, was Annie, was my youngest daughter. Oh, and, and. Every situation is different. My husband is actually a school counselor. So oh. he was at home because schools were closed, but he was still having to work. He was still having to counsel kids over the phone. And like, it was a, it was like kind major of a- Major counseling. Yeah. Yes. It was a crazy, sure. yes. it was a crazy thing. Yeah. And I'm still trying to do, you know, my work, but my work is, it's the same thing. It's like mine technically is more flexible than his. Yeah. And so I- Exactly. Yeah. It's more interruptible. Um, and so there were a couple of things. One was Annie because she was like, why is no one playing with me? Why are, is the one grown-up that's here, like one grown-up is working and one grown-up is trying to teach one kid about civil rights and then another kid about like states of matter. And it's all very confusing and they're getting frustrated. By th- and the internet won't work and they're fighting over which one gets the good iPad instead of the bad iPad. And yep. it's like a whole thing. And so Annie was kind of the domino at first because it was like, she was where I broke. Because mm-hmm. she was like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, I can't play with you right now, you yes. know, like, yes. And so we kind of had to strategize where for, as a family, we would go hard on school for two hours in the morning. I would teach the kids because I'm glue. Cos would play with Annie because he's the glitter. Mm-hmm. And that's what we would do. It was like, neither of us worked or in nine to 11 was like family get school done time. Interesting. And, and it worked. It worked for us because Annie, really, it was Annie was the thing because the boys would get frustrated with her and I would have to go try to take care of her with something and they would get distracted with their work and it was harder to get back on task and, or they would do it and they would do it super duper wrong. And then like they both would beat themselves up in different ways that they yeah. did their work wrong and got frustrated with me that I wasn't there to help them. And so we kind of addressed that with her. 
another thing, and this might be helpful for you, is the whole um, that you are interruptible because of the ages of your kids. I would like to I would like to submit an idea to you. I, I will take all the ideas and prayers. I, I would like to ideas, submit. Sure, I would like to submit, and this can be kind of considered a you know like a routine idea or um, a house rule idea. Because another another principle in the book is to build the right routines. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about routines. I want to say the routine is not the goal. You think that like getting up at the same time or using the same pen, drinking out of the same coffee mug, sitting in the same seat, your kids going through the same order of motions is the goal. It is not. Mm. The goal is the feeling or mindset or like energy in the room that you are after. The Mm. steps of the routine are the path to get there. Mm. Now, sometimes drinking out of the same coffee mug and sitting in the same seat and reading from the same book and looking out the same window in the morning is something that gets you to a place of feeling centered and anchored before your day begins. But guess what? There are other ways to feel centered and anchored before your day begins. So your routine, it's because what happens is we build these elaborate routines, these 10 step things, and then we don't do any of this. We do maybe one step and it's usually not a very important step and it doesn't take us to where we want to go. So if you are because you said before that this is kind of a, this is a heart issue too. And I don't yeah. say that in a judging way. I say that no. as I understand, like yes. it's so much of it is our perspective on the situation. So if you are wanting to kind of begin like the crest of the wave of the day yeah. where your heart is in a place where you're like, I love my children. I love my children. <laughs> I love my husband. <laughs> I love this. I love a pandemic. Like, and that's not true. Yeah. Um, but like, then let's talk about what you can do for yourself to kind of get into that mindset at the beginning of the day. And it could simply be just setting an intention of like being kind to yourself and like, I'm probably going to crack today. I'm probably going to yell at somebody today, but that's not what I want. What I want is to be present and to not be, have a pinball brain and to try to be where I am when I'm there. But I'm also going to be kind to myself that when I fail in that, that it's okay. Like just telling yourself that throughout the day is so kind, like taking a deep breath. And I mean, even just like making that like a breath prayer, like that could be a house rule for you personally of like, this is my breath prayer throughout the day that can kind of help you sort of recenter on what matters. Again, what matters here? Yes, you having space to be a person matters a whole lot. Connecting with your kids also matters. Not resenting your husband that he gets to work uninterrupted. That matters. All of those things matter. So it's kind of like you were saying before about when I asked about like, is there a place where the first domino falls? And you said, I think I need to like pay attention. I need to notice. I think that's true for about half of the people. Some people see it right away. They're like, Mm. they're sort of like always evaluating that they're like, oh, I know what I need to do. And then the other half of the people are like, I know there's something there, but I don't see it until I'm in it. Yep. So let me get that's in it. The, and that's see. the reactive. That's yes. the, like I'm not. I'm not an in, like intentional thinking ahead or yes, paying attention to notice. Yeah. Yes. And so if you sort of like start to name, even just like I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to say this like three second prayer, <laughs> three word prayer, even just yeah. to get back to what matters, or even it could just be like you just take a deep breath and you go, what matters right now. Mm-hmm. That's your question. Yeah. Lord, open my eyes to what, what matters yeah. right now. Yeah. Because yeah. your heart truly is that. 
Your heart is to connect with yourself and your spouse and your kids and your calling as a human and the Holy Spirit within you at that moment. Like that is deep down your heart. We just get so like distracted by things that don't actually matter, like order for the sake of order or like things being done within a certain time frame because that's what we planned for at the start of the day. And then it doesn't happen. Then we're like, but this is what we planned. Mm-hmm. Plans don't really matter. What matters, it, it's the same thing with the, the routine. It's like the plan's purpose, the routine's purpose, the choice's purpose is to take you down a path toward what matters. So when you remember what matters, you can sort of let go more easily of things that did not go the way that you anticipated they would go. You're more gentle with your people and yourself. Like it's just what happens. And it's such a nothing burger of an answer. And it's so annoying because it's not like a list of things to do. But guess what? You have a list of things to do. Do they work? No. Right. They don't. And it's in the moment. Yeah. It's it's a, like you said, a system. Yes. Dealing with the issue in the moment instead of this, like you have to follow this pattern. And then what if that's not the pattern of the day? Exactly. Pops up. Exactly. All right. I'm going to interrupt us real quick. I know. Ironic. With another amazing sponsor, it's Ancestry Health. And why I'm so excited to share it with you is personally, um, if you all remember, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that three years ago, our lives were interrupted when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and she and my dad moved in with us. And then a month later, my dad passed away from colon cancer that had moved into his liver. And, you know, thankfully in 2020, we have amazing technology and Ancestry Health is now offering this most advanced genetic testing technology, the next generation of sequencing which is better at determining if you're at lower risk for some of these commonly inherited conditions like breast cancer and colon cancer and heart disease. And so I can take better care of my health. I don't have to worry. And I can make sure that I'm there for my kids as long as possible. What's also awesome is that it is designed to be offered at an affordable price. And as a mom, I was able to provide my DNA sample from my kitchen. I just uh, submitted saliva into the tube and I mail it in, and they're going to let me know what my risk is. If you want to find out what your DNA says about genetic risk with Ancestry Health, go over to Ancestry.com forward slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone to get your Ancestry Health kit today. That's Ancestry.com forward slash DMA. So here's what I want to submit to you as an idea is you get a hat, you get um, something bright, like some sort of bright token or something that is a visual reminder. I'm serious about this, that this is like, this is when mom can't be interrupted. I want you to try three things on your own. Ask your brothers, ask for help from each other. Obviously, these are the rules. If someone is bleeding, If someone is like very, if they have a head injury, like these are the things that you can interrupt me for. I love you with my whole heart. But when mommy is wearing this bright blue hat or when this big yellow lamp is on my desk and there's a timer going, like you set a timer somewhere else where they are, you know, like I'm going to work. Yes, exactly. Start small. Start with 30 minutes. See what, see what you can do in 30 minutes and prove to everyone that this will happen, that this can happen. You see, for the next 30 minutes, mom is uninterruptible. You can see the timer. When I take this hat off, you can interrupt me. But before you do that, or like if you don't want your kids to 
you know, like just be left to their own devices. It's like, before you interrupt me, I need you to try three things on your own and solve your own problem first. Or be like, is this worth taking mom's hat off? She only asked for 30 minutes, you know, like, (laughs) and they're probably going to be like, sure it is because kids don't have any sort of regulation of what matters and what doesn't. But you're teaching them that you are allowed to not be interrupted and that they're they're capable capable. and you're helpful. Yes, Yes. exactly. Exactly. So that's the specific idea I wanted to submit to you is that you need to wear a funny hat and tell your people to not interrupt you while you're wearing it. I love that. It makes me think of my sister-in-law has, she and her husband both have jobs at Lockheed Martin, which is like they build airplanes for the government, but she has a sign that she puts in front of her computer that's like available, unavailable because yeah, she would be on these important calls with engineers and Anyway, yeah. so yes, I, I don't have important engineer calls, but I think that that is, it, my brain just gets distracted and, and I'm really good at distracting myself, you know, mm. with Instagram in a moment of frustration or whatever. But I think that that's a very wise, very wise idea. And I think all of us teaching our kids to be self-reliant and capable is good. And, you know, sometimes you have to decide what matters to me is teaching my kids to do laundry and if they look like vagabonds when we go out because we're teaching the skill I have to let go of what other people think because I care about what matters same with like comparing my home to other people's homes I go into homes and they're so perfect and organized and uncluttered but when I think about the reality of our home and what we like to create and we like to play games and we like Legos and if I kept it the way that I see it in other homes, which would be lovely. That's not the reality of what matters to our family. And, and a couple of, of quick things that came to mind when you're saying yes. that one yes. is that um, when you, with the available unavailable sign, I think that it's, I want to just say to any, any mom who's feeling this of like, I, <laughs> I really want to be unavailable sometimes. <laughs> like I would really like for that to be in the cards. Yes. Um, I think that there is definitely a guilt there of like, well, I'm not available for my kids. That's so not great. And mm-hmm. clearly they need me because they're interrupting me. Right. But here's the thing. If I put a cracker in front of my kid, whether they were hungry or not, he wouldn't even know. He would just grab it and eat it because it's like it's there, but there's not a there's not a thoughtfulness. Like my kids personally are not very present or thoughtful or like mindful <laughs> of things. You know, they're just like doing what's there. If I'm there, I'm the easiest way for a problem to get solved. I'm like the, you know, I'm the lowest risk of getting, getting like low risk, high reward of getting something solved. But that doesn't mean that if I'm not there, that they're going to fall apart. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, mom's not here. Oh, we can figure this out. I think we, we see that as, as a guilt thing and it doesn't need to be a guilt thing. And also if you have daughters, I think because it is, I feel like it is definitely different right now, at least socially with men versus women. 100%. Yeah. But like, I want my daughter to see me work. I want her to see me leave and be unavailable and say that what I'm doing right now is important and I love you. And when I get back home or when I come out of this room or when I take off this hat, that you are important too. Right. But like, it's okay for things to be important at different times. And then the second thing was when you said like your sister is the engineer and on the phone, was it a sister, sister? Well, she's, she manages engineers. Yeah. She's so but you said like, I don't, you know, I don't create plans don't for the government or anything, yes, yes, but yes, I, right. but I, this, and I want to submit to you and to anyone else who downplays what you do as less important than what someone else is doing. You need to stop doing that. 
because you're not going to value your own work if you're like, well, I'm not saving lives here. At least I'm, I'm not a doctor. It's, I'm not making right. military planes. I'm not whatever. Right. It's like, right. well, you're right. You're not. But what you are doing is important sacred work. And you need to see it that way or you are not going to value it when you sit down. You're going to keep finding reasons for to feel guilty for sitting down because what you're doing isn't worthy of being uninterrupted. And that is not true. Now you got to make me cry, Kendra. <laughs> That's always my goal. I always want to make somebody I'm cry. I'm supposed to make the guests cry. That's what I'm supposed to do. Because this is important work you're doing. It is like you are giving, you are, I mean, the whole thing is like motherhood is so lonely and we're surrounded by moms all the time. And it is still so lonely because no one is saying this is hard. You're allowed to not care about the PTA. You are allowed to be president of the PTA and for that to still matter. Like we can right. like and care about things that seem like they are in a conflict with each other. And then what that does is it puts us in conflict with each other, but on the inside, we just keep smiling and being like, wow, you look so put together today. I never wear lipstick. I just don't have time. Ha ha ha. And we are right, like right. berating ourselves. And that, guys, we have to stop. We have to stop doing that. And that is why what you are making is so important is because you are making it so apparent to these moms that are listening that you don't have to be alone, not just physically, but in how you're feeling about motherhood. Like we shouldn't do this alone. It's too hard. This is why people like parent in villages, like right. we're not supposed to do this alone because it's so hard. So what you're doing is really important. But even if whoever's listening, even if when you want to be uninterrupted, if it's because you just want to sit and not say anything, that is just as important. Right. Like for the person who's already did the spring, already did all of that, pushed through the most boring summer ever. So boring. And is looking forward to this, not looking forward like in the, I'm excited, but is seeing the fall and thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? And I don't have an excuse to put that unavailable. Yes. They say, I don't have an excuse. Like I don't have the right to that because I don't have a quote unquote something else. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's good permission to give them. I think it's important for the mom who has the three-year-old, the one-year-old and the baby. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't get the hat, but you have right. nap time. <laughs> right. But you have, you know, I think it's okay to take that time for yourself and not clean up the house. I mean, that's advice that someone gave me. Like I yes. have a fantastic friend who now works full-time outside the home. Her kids are older, but when we had young kids together and I would talk about just being exhausted and never having time for myself, she's like, well, what do you do during nap time? And I'm like, well, I'm cleaning up from lunch and I'm doing laundry. And then she's like, oh, I knit. Right. <laughs> I said, what? You do what? That is not fair. What? You're knitting? <laughs> or she was like cross-stitching at one point and she watches one of her favorite shows. I was like, okay. Yeah. What? I had no clue that that was an option. Yeah. My yeah. babies don't care if the dishes were done from lunch. So I started doing the dishes when I was making dinner. I was already in the kitchen. Right. So no one's coming in my home. No one cares if I leave the dishes from lunch until I'm making dinner. You know, like yeah. those little permissions, I think what your work does is it, it does for each individual figure out how can I give myself grace and I don't know, there's so many things in here, y'all, that helps us do what matters and be lazy about the rest. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So thank you. Kim. Yeah. I can't wait to see what brightly colored hat you wear. <laughs> when you have to be big. I have to be. We have a man with the yellow hat hat. Per- that's perfect. <laughs> and I'm looking at this fluorescent yellow lay. Maybe I could do that too. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of costumes. We have a, we have a watermelon hat. Oh, that's there it is. What that it seems is. right. Yeah, that that's- seems right. Magic. Yeah. Oh, man. Kendra, I want to talk to you for 30 days. So. I'm, I'm like, I have so many other things we could say, but we have gone so far over what we were supposed to. <laughs> um, y'all, guess what? Kendra has her own podcast. So I do. let me just point you that way. Oh, thanks. Bye. See you later. You'll never listen to me again. No. Just so amazing. <laughs> I'm fine with that. But yes, Kendra, tell them where they can find you online. We will link to it in all the show notes, but I wanted them to keep following you. That's very kind. I appreciate that. So yes, I have a podcast. It's called the Lazy Genius Podcast. Because I always say because I'm so good with names, everything is the Lazy Genius. I'm the Lazy Genius. It is podcast. So the podcast is the the podcast is the Lazy Genius Podcast. The book is called the Lazy Genius Way, um, and I am on Instagram at the Lazy Genius. I don't really do anything anywhere else. I decided I want to be a genius about Instagram and love it because I love Instagram. I don't love the other stuff. And so I just don't go there. So, um, so smart. as far as social media stuff, um, I'm on, I'm on Instagram a lot. So yeah. And I would, lo- yeah, I would just love, um, I love what you're doing. I love being able to speak to moms who need permission. I call myself a professional permission giver because like we need someone to tell us that we have other options <laughs> and that it's okay to do things like knit during nap time. So I'm, I love that story. That's such a great, that's just a great uh, story to end on. So yeah, I'm just really glad to be here. Thank you, Kendra, so much. Thank you, Heather. This was great. So much amazing stuff she just said, but my key takeaways are one, to make house rules that serve me and my sanity, and two, to pray this breath prayer when I feel scattered or everything feels like it needs my attention. Lord, open my eyes to what matters right now. Speaking of prayer, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what is for us and what is not. I pray that you would help us know what matters to our families and just continue to remind us where our value comes from. I pray in the midst of all the new things and the different schooling options that you would give us grace to walk through that. Grace for one another, grace for the teachers, grace for the administrators, that we would trust you most, that you would be our solid place to stand. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives that we cannot see. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for joining me today. I want to let you know that we have launched an amazing way for you to partner with Don't Mom Alone. If you've heard of Patreon, it's an online option for you to support the podcast, for you to be a part of this ministry. This show is downloaded all over the globe, and you can be a part of that by going to patreon.com forward slash don't mom alone. There are two options. One is to be a champion, a supporter, and another is to be an insider. And the insider level, we're going to have some Q&As, special Q&As, and also some mentoring moments. If you've ever used Marco Polo, just imagine it's like Marco Polo where you share video and then either myself or other mentors are going to give feedback. And then with the book coming out in a year, hopefully those insiders are going to be the first to have access with um, how they're going to help, how they can be part of launching that. So go to Patreon dot com forward slash don't mom alone if you want to check that out and we'll see you back here next week adios i hope you enjoyed this episode of the don't mom alone podcast 
If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.